And I asked him that nurture question, you know, and he went, uh, I wouldn't even have understood what the word nurture is meant. Mm. This is a Therapy for Dads podcast. I am your host. My name is Travis. I'm a therapist, a dad, a husband. Here at Therapy for Dads, we provide content around the integration of holistic mental health, well-researched evidence-based education, and parenthood. Welcome. Well, welcome everybody to this week's episode of the Therapy for Dads podcast. I'm excited for this week to have another uh, special guest, another new friend that I've met, um, Sophie, who is, well, who lives on a different continent, um, <laughs> a little bit of a ways away, more than a stone's throw. But I'm excited to have her on, and we've kind of found each other, as I found most people that I've had on this show, um, through making wonderful connections and friends through Instagram. Um, and I, I, I keep saying this over and over again, but one of the most exciting things on this journey of doing this podcast and being on Instagram is meeting wonderful people who have passion and heart to help men and fathers. And Sophie is one of them. So without further ado, welcome, welcome Sophie to the show. Thank you for having me. This is so exciting. I really look forward to this conversation. Yeah, I'm so stoked. And we've, I, I think it's been a, followed each other for over a year, something like that mm. on Instagram, so, give or take, something like that. Um, yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't know the exact date, but it's been about, about that long, I think. Yeah, you've had some great chats with a couple of my buddies along the way mm. as well. Scott Mayer being one mm. of them. Um, you know, he, he and I've worked quite closely over the years. And uh, yeah. so, yeah, it's inspiring. It's good that we can all be here to inspire each other like this. Isn't yeah. It? Yeah. Scott's a great, great dad, great, great man, father, all those things who has a real big passion, clearly for men and fathers in this space and has done amazing mm. things and is doing amazing things. Um, he's been on the show a couple times and, um, you know, he's got that new one, the, the Scotland uh, account now, right? The Father's, mm -hmm. what is that account? Do you know off the top of your head? Father's the, Network Scotland. Father's Network Scotland. Yeah. So, um, that's a great account. And then the PMH, PMH um, Father. Support. So, support. Yeah. yeah. PMH yeah. Support, right, is the other one. Um, but great guy. Check him out. I'll leave, actually, I'm going to leave his stuff in this, in this bottom of the show notes too on top of Sophie's <laughs> to find him because it's another great dad account to follow who's doing amazing things out in the UK and really making a difference. Um, kind of, you know, boots on the ground type of uh, mm. a difference, really doing the work. So, yeah, we kind of have mutual friends and it's, I'm excited to have her on, Sophie, because of the this little series, mini series I'm doing within the show is this kind of postpartum series. And so before we jump in, can you tell us a little bit about yourself professionally, who you are, as well as mom and all those things? Yeah, of course. So um, firstly, and really importantly, I'm mom of four boys, hmm. um, including twins. So my third pregnancy was uh, twins or is twins. My eldest is now 17. Um, so I've been in this birth and baby world for 17 years as a professional and as a parent, because I, I reinvented myself when I became pregnant. I couldn't continue in the job that I was doing before. It just wasn't conducive, the hours, etc. So I had to make a drastic decision to, to change my career. And I based it on what I was experiencing at the time. Mm. Um, my twins are 10 now as well. And 
really in the last 17 years with all the uh, people that I've worked with, the parents in, in pregnancy and birth and postpartum all the way through, actually, as a therapist and as a practitioner and all sorts of things, baby massage and um, massage itself. I've been really into the kind of the touchy-feely stuff for a long time and then then into, into the mind and the emotions as a hypnotherapist, as a CBT practitioner and um, mindfulness and lots of different psychotherapeutic techniques, trauma, PTSD, all of that over the years, you know, shaping who I am, what the, the work that I do and just um, feeling that my lived experience is, is, is kind of almost more important than anything else than, than, mm. the, than the therapies and, and all of the things that I've learned along the way. Mm. Um, and when I became pregnant with my twins, I wasn't expecting that at all. It was a complete shock, not mm. only to be pregnant, but equally to be expecting two and then two more boys. Mm. And it's, it's changed everything for me. Not only being a mom of four boys, I'm a woman I, <laughs> and they are men, they are boys, mm. they are in so many ways so very very different to me and I've had to I've had to I've had to really learn a lot you know mm. um but also witnessing you know how mental health affects men and boys and how especially around the period of having a baby being pregnant even preconception trying for a baby through how that level of vulnerability in so many ways really affects our mental health, our emotions, how, you know, how society really is set up or not set up to support men, dads, mm. boys, even with mental health, with these challenges that happen in the very vulnerable times of our lives. And and so I've, I've become more, even more passionate over the years of the work that I do, especially kind of working with people as they're preparing for their babies. And then, and then afterwards, you know, picking up the pieces in lots of ways as a therapist for, for parents. And I see, I see dads and moms one-to-one -one and, and partners too, of course. Mm. And, and, you know, bearing witness to that over the years has really shaped the work that I do now and the reasons why I do it. Um, and, the book I wrote, Beyond Birth, and the parent support sessions were based on everything that I felt everybody needed to mm. understand in terms of mental and emotional health. And the physical does come into that, of course. But um, yeah, so it's it's 17 years of experience. I would never have thought, actually, before becoming a parent, falling pregnant, that I would be doing this work now at all mm. I worked in I was a singer and I worked in film and uh, very different but but god it feels right and it, and I'm very very passionate and kind of on a mission really to bring um, more mental health awareness reduce the stigma you know for, for men and women and and everybody in this time I think really and especially because it makes such a big difference to our children and it is the best mm. start for everybody how we are is how they are and uh, as a bitter a pill as that is to swallow for many people, it's the truth. It is how mm. it is. Mm. So when I, I wrote my, um, once the twins were a little bit older, you know, the seeds have been planted for writing 
my guidebook and parent support sessions. And I started to put it into practice with the clients that I had. Um, and it was, it is very much about the basics and the feel good factor, but this building mm -hmm. this awareness that we are not necessarily taught. We weren't, my generation certainly weren't yeah. older generations weren't, you yeah. know, and, and several decades of generations after me haven't been, um, mm. you know, this, this awareness, this just changing the mold really. Um, yeah. and you know, I know that you, the work that you do when you talk, talk about, you know, how, how it is to be a father and how it is to be a dad in this world where it is very much still this kind of very abrasive man up culture where it's a lot of avoidance, mm. a lot of, you know, the stigma is still there, isn't it? Mm. Um, mm -hmm. Even more so than, than women and mums. And we have very different coping strategies, coping skills, essentially, mm. don't we? As a result of that, as a mm. result of this, the society and, you know, some, some demographics, you know, are much more aware than others. Um, and, and effectively, I think a lot of the work that I do, especially with my children, is, that, is to kind of say it's not our fault that, that we are thinking and feeling like this but equally we can take the responsibility to 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 change and to and to to heal from those misunderstandings and the traumas and the fears around mental health and and you know what we may have inherited mm. you know unbeknownst to us a lot of the time <laughs> yeah but equally how that can be changed and how wonderful is it that we see so many wonderful people out there now doing the research based on you know mm. the kind of epigenetic factor of it all as well as the society mm. um that we live in the sociological elements of it all so it's kind of an exciting time to be living in, in lots of ways now, as frustrating as it is, yeah. you know, we have more awareness yet. We have a whole host of people who don't necessarily know how to, what to do with that awareness. Mm. <laughs> yes. I, I think it's well said. We have, we have more awareness, but still um, don't always know what to do with it or where to go or how to navigate mm. that. Um, which I think brings us to like your guide, right? That I actually have it here. Those who are watching, I mean, this is the actual book. I actually ordered it on Amazon myself. I think it came all the way from the UK or an Amazon near you, uh, <laughs> wherever that might be. Um, <clears throat> and it's great. I got the chance to flip through it and, and see, and I see this, it is a guide. It's going back to what you said was a lot of us haven't been taught some of these things. Some of us have, some of us have very aware parents that were really, making strides from how they were parented and really trying to grow. Um, some made big strides, some made tiny strides, but still strides nonetheless to make a difference from how they were parented and, and have this sense yeah. that I need to do things differently. And um, and some of us didn't have that at all, you know, or it was an unintended change that maybe our parents, okay, you know, I'm thinking of it, just a random example. Okay, my parents used to hit me, but I'm not going to hit you. <laughs> so that's a change. But there might be still like emotional distance or lack of emotional uh, uh, um, awareness or mus uh, lack of emotional muscle, so to speak. So, mm -hmm. yes, they might have changed and stopped one thing, but then that's while that's helpful, there may be still kind of a lacking or uh, something missing. And I think as we get older, we start to realize as we become parents ourselves and as we just kind of age through life, you start to see how your parents, you see them differently. 
and see a more holistic view of them of like, okay, I could see how they made different strides from their parents. And even their stuff, they might've done that was good. And some stuff that, you know what, this was still not okay. Like, you know, so it's kind of holding the two <laughs> at the same time yeah. and saying, okay, here's what they did well. And here's, I can see them changing. Here's some things that maybe weren't so good or really, or were really wrong right as well. Yeah. And, and how do we hold that? And how does it affect my parenting now as I'm, as I become a parent, whether it's a first time or a fifth time or whatever, um, and, and you're, and I think coming to this guide is that a lot of this stuff is, you know, looking as I looked through this and kind of refreshing this this afternoon, you know, it really is kind of the building block of, you know, it's building that awareness of yourself. One of my favorite questions we were just talking about this before is like, you know, what is nurture? What does it mean to be nurtured, right? And that's a, I think of men too as I go through the, the man lens, so to speak, of what does it mean to be nurtured? What does that look like? Yeah. Did you have nurture as a kid? And if so, what was it like in your home? And I think those that that's kind of the, the starting point of this as we kind of jump right in is, you know, what does nurture look like and, and why is that important first and foremost, and specifically for men and boys? Exactly. <laughs> why? <laughs> it's, it's a really good question. And I also, from a female perspective, would and have seen that that question is a hell of a lot easier to answer for, for women than it mm -hmm. is for boys and men. Mm -hmm. And actually, very interesting, I asked my husband again earlier while reflecting on knowing I was coming onto this podcast, and I said to him, okay, can we just refresh a little here? I would need to know what it was that you needed back 17 years ago, if you remember it all, you know, hmm. of course I used him a lot <laughs> for when I was writing this book. Hmm. And, and I asked him that nurture question, you know, and he went, uh, I wouldn't even have understood what the word nurture is meant. Hmm. You know, he said now because of what you do and how you are and how you choose to live your life. And therefore it, you know, it reflects on, on all of my boys and mm. I include him in that too. You know, yeah. they bear witness to that. That's modeling. They understand. And he understands what nurture means now. He said, but then 17 years mm. ago, no, wouldn't have mm. understood what that was. Mm. So yeah, it's very much about the sort of terminology, I guess. Mm. Um, and of course, once you read the chapter in the book, then you understand much more about what nurture is. Right. Then right. you can reflect on that and go, oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, but all the questions actually in the guide are designed so that if, if you can get, if there are two people as parents in the relationship with a new baby, no matter how many babies you've had, and actually, ideally, it's good to, to answer this question in pregnancy as well and reflect on it postpartum too and see how, how that's changed. But it's, it's actually to get both people writing their own answers to mm. the questions, reflecting for themselves and then coming together and having these conversations because these are not questions that you would really ever have with your partner. <laughs> And right, it, these are a little more questions that most people don't ask themselves. Um, yeah, and I so therefore, then it, yeah, <laughs> they don't. and it builds yeah. on that truth, that honesty, that connection, that trust, mm. and awareness of each other's emotional needs, mm. and and you know the historic baggage that we bring with us as we become parents. Mm. As you say, you know, our our childhood is is flashed before our eyes mm. when we are becoming parents. Um, and often, you know, you will look at your partner's parents if they're still around and reflect on how, you know, 
how you think your partner's going to be as a parent too. And that brings yeah. up all sorts of questions as sure. well. So, so the, yeah, the question there is very much about what it looks like for you to be nurtured, but equally for your partner then to read that and understand where you are coming mm. from in terms of what you need. Yeah. <laughs> no. And I think a couple of things with that first is working with couples. Um, when I get them in kind of premarital counseling, I like that the most because I find I could really equip them before they go down the journey. It's like I could really prep them to ask questions like this. And I have similar questions I ask them. And, you know, I get resources from other researchers like, you know, John Gottman and all the work he's done and, and some yeah. other like Sue Johnson, some of these other really, you know, prolific writers and couples and to kind of really help build these guys to help build kind of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. you know, with this beyond birth and, you know, your lens is kind of looking at the postpartum, but just as important, but a lot of couples don't even ask these questions when they get together. They don't ask like, what do we do when we get upset in conflict? What was it like in your home growing with your parents? What emotions were allowed or not allowed? They don't ask those questions. And when I get them in my office in premarital, I get to kind of ask these questions and they're kind of, you know, kind of deer in the headlights for the first time. Like, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know. We don't, we don't, we didn't talk about anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then we start to look at how that plays out in their current relationship. And, very so much here with with having a child, but I would say that's amplified, especially yeah. if you've had if a couple if a, if a partnership if they haven't had a dialogue around some of like these questions that you pose just within themselves. Now you throw a kid in the mix. Mm-hmm. That that kid just like turns the volume up. We were just talking about amps earlier in the green room. You know, electric guitar. Uh, one of Sophie's kids plays guitar. Maybe they all do. But we were talking about amps and how loud they can be. Is that <laughs> I always think of a guitar. I'm getting louder uh, when you have a child or children because it just amplifies everything. And yes. if you don't have this foundation going in, it is easier just to do what you know how to do to navigate when you're feeling stressed out or tired or exhausted when a newborn or, you know, feel like you can't fix a newborn crying or you can't help your partner. You feel like, I don't know what to do with my partner. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm stressed out. I'm exhausted. And then, but you have no roadmap because you've never even had this dialogue. And often because you didn't even know you needed to have this dialogue, right? It's that Mm -hmm. systemic thing you mentioned earlier. There's this, there's these things that we don't even think about talking about. And I think it's just because of lack of just education, lack of awareness, lack of this just wasn't done. You know, we don't talk about this in schools. We don't talk about this really anywhere. Really, this is coming from parents um, or our caregivers. And what are they modeling? Are they are they equipping us to have these conversations? And some do. There are parents that absolutely do. But I'd say by and large, the people coming in our offices, I would assume, aren't having that. Yeah. And this guide even more so is like, man... And I love that you pointed out too, as the second part is having this conversation, um, you know, kind of while pregnant, you know, in that space to kind of begin to build a foundation. So it's prepping for the baby coming. So, you know, what the heck does nurture mean? Like your husband said, I wouldn't have known what that meant. Yeah. I don't know what that looks like, or I don't know how to put language to that. I think it's common for a lot of men. You know, I don't know. Yeah. You know, what do you mean nurture? You know, and all, and like you said, language is key. A lot of men may not even use that word nurture. It's, it might yeah. sound quote unquote feminine or, you know, not male, not manly to say these words. And and I'm putting quotes that, you know, those that can't see this is that I'm, it's part of the systemic problem that men are just not taught this. Um, because to be nurtured would be weakness. You know, we, I don't need nurture. Why would I need that? I'm strong, right? What are you talking about? You know, I'm, I'm, I could figure it out myself. I don't need anything. I don't need any of that mm. lovey-dovey stuff. I don't need a hug. I don't need this. I don't, which is obviously, we know is the big defense mechanism, the pain and suffering and trauma. But mm-hmm. in that moment, most men aren't going to be able to recognize that. <laughs> they're going totally. to be, they're not going to be able to say that. Uh, they'll just be like, no, 
uh-uh, mm. not going there. Or it's what they were modeled. Yeah, totally how they were modeled. And it's not their fault. <laughs> it, and, the, you know, the lack of, uh, of empathy in that way, the lack of understanding is, is, is just not, it's not the building blocks are not there. Um, mm. And so, again, you know, when I was writing this guide, I was thinking I preferably would love it if all parents would read this. Mm-hmm. But in practice, the reality is that majority of readers of this guide are people that, that participate in the parent support sessions right. are the mothers. And mm-hmm. so I got to thinking, okay, so how, how are we going to reach dads mm. anyway, right? Yeah. My husband went to work straight away as soon as my my kids were born he was straight back into work and he would go and he'd have to put his work hat on and that would include his work head (laughs) and there he was in work mode away until he came home again and he said the difference there Soph is that you had all day to be thinking about this, living it, breathing it, everything. He said, and uh, and I would just come back in. And he said, I might have a, an hour of precious time with mm. my baby, with my babies, mm. and actually wouldn't have wanted to have these conversations with you or answer these questions. That's not where I was at. Wow. He's like, after that's when you reflect back and you go, oh, <laughs> mm. that probably would have been really helpful. Yeah, but. You know, in the throes of things, you know, he said equally when you're exceptionally tired, you don't want to be rocking the boat too much, right? You don't want to be asking these questions and comparing notes just in case it's a trigger for Mm. the other in the, in the relationship that then suddenly it's a, it's the blame game. You know, it's like, because that window of tolerance is so much narrower, any of those triggers could be red flags that we're not aware of. Uh, have that perspective is so valuable. So I say, okay, so if the mothers are, you know, the, the, the people holding the baby are actively answering these questions, reflecting for themselves, taking note, getting ideas, practicing hopefully some of the tools and techniques that, you know, that are initially helping them to reflect but regulate the, their nervous system a bit more, then... Mm. Essentially, the the father, the dad, will benefit from that anyway, as will the baby, and maybe inquisitive enough to want to know more or to take part more because he is bearing witness to to what he is experiencing in front of him rather than actually doing it himself. Hmm. Um, and I've seen that. I've seen that happen and really benefit people too. So even if we can't get everybody (laughs) as much as I would love it taking part in this then at least we can see the ripple effect of how that benefits Mm. the rest of the family is it kind of like the vicarious observation is that what it is kind of the yeah the witnessing of what he's seeing between mother and child in a way has a ripple effect of impacting him to maybe question hmm Maybe there's something here that re- that I'm sensing. I may not have language for, but there's something here that feels right 
or correct or something about this seems seems true. Um, Even if I didn't get this in this way, or even if I don't have language yet, something about this is true. And and think of your husband, I think talking about he comes home from work, his work hat on, then he comes home and now he's got this hour to tune in and it's like he's got a shift now maybe going from a work environment where, you know, nurture is definitely not really part of that. I mean, it could be depending on what you're doing, but it might be more problem solving and fixing and problem solving, you know, putting out fires, right? And you come home and now I got to put my dad hat on and nurturing hat. And what does that look like? Well, I don't really know yet, but I'm just going to come and help out. And maybe it looks like me just problem solving and putting out fires, which may or may not be helpful depending on what my baby's needing or my partner's needing. I think what's, I can see dad's getting stuck because they're trying to help, but they know how to help. Yeah. And you might get a mother who's like, well, I need you to feel or do these things. And he may be like, what do you mean feel? Like, I'm, I am helping, right? So I can see that how mm-hmm. the readiness and, and the language can be a barrier for partners at times. Because if he's coming home and doesn't have it, I only have an hour, I'm doing what I know how to do. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that perspective, I think, is so helpful for moms and dads. Um, yeah. That isn't just like turning on a dime. And, but I think really to have a true, to, to navigate this, we need to see where are men coming from and why are they coming from? And I get asked this a lot from moms like, well, how do I get dads in? How do I get them to be emotional? How do I, how do I reach him? How do I, how do I help him see that he might have a mental health issue? How do I, and I'm like, well, the reality is as hard as it is, is I think the best way to start is being curious where he's coming from. Totally. I'm so with you. But equally also, answering these questions, she may then be able to strike up a conversation that says, okay, so I I answered this question out of a book I'm reading today all about nurture, and and it was really intriguing, and these were my answers. What Mm. do you think? It's the invitation. What do you think, right? Yeah. Mm. Getting you in. Okay, so, yeah, what do you understand about that? You know, does, Mm. does does that make sense to you? Does it, you know, make you feel anything or you know just listening to an audio together that comes along Mm -hmm. with the guide with the book you know just inviting him and so you know the kids are perhaps in bed asleep maybe with you Mm -hmm. and and you have that that moment and it's like shall we do this together this might be really Mm -hmm. useful Mm -hmm. oh let me do this real quick just to make it real if you Mm -hmm. don't mind a quick a quick role play uh a a typical dad might say that i might get a response no i don't want to talk about that or not mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. Well, in which case, fair enough. That's okay. So you put on an audio so he can hear it anyway. Like it's what <laughs> it's what he would yeah. do with with the kids, right? Where you know right. this is what I we, we work with with Beyond Birth very much is about taking time, you know, for yourself when you are caring for your children, giving yourself what you're giving them, doing it mm. anyway. And actually, you know, that's the same with with partners who may not necessarily be actively engaging. And what you're doing. So you put it on mm. anyway. You take those mm. 10 deep breaths anyway so that you can bear witness to that. Mm. Yeah? Um, yeah. And and vice versa. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know? Um, sometimes the unsaid and just the doing is is clearer, isn't it? It's easier mm. in so many ways. Well, I think that think it makes it very practical because I get a lot of that question. How do I get them? I've tried asking. I've tried staying. And mm. I think it's this kind of which I understand why they're asking that because they want help or they want to help their partner or they, you know, they, for various reasons. But then I think they don't know what to do next as they stop. Well, I tried asking, I tried this and Mm -hmm. he won't and he won't and he won't. And I think I like that example of you just kind of do it for yourself. And in a way it's like this 
like you do, often like you do with a child, not that men are children, you know, they might have parts of them that are like childlike because it hasn't developed. And I think we need yeah. to approach that with empathy and grace and curiosity, mm-hmm. understanding, not shame and guilt that that's just shuts down men farther. Absolutely. Guilt. They already have yeah. enough shame and guilt of, of these, but is I love that you just put on it, listen to it anyway. And that might start to, he might be curious of like, what the heck is she listening to? Like, what is this? Or even modeling the modeling, the breathing yourself. And what is she doing? I don't know. And like, you know, if you do it enough, it might start to peak interest. That's it. And now for a short break. So if you're looking for ways to support the show and my YouTube channel, head on over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash therapy for dads. There you can make a one-time donation or join the monthly subscription service to support all that I'm doing at the intersection of fatherhood and mental health. And all the proceeds go right back into all the work that I'm doing into production, into continue to grow the show to bring on new guests. So again, head on over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash therapy for dads. Thanks. And let's get back to the show. When you asked your husband, did he say kind of what shifted for him from he wouldn't have known what nurture meant? And I know now it's 17 years in, so he's he's experienced you. Do, do you think that's what he said? He saw you do this and just watching you go through this piqued his interest, so to speak, to, to kind of yeah. be curious? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I went through postnatal depression and uh, it had significant birth trauma and he mm. he witnessed me healing through through practicing and changing the language that I use not only with myself but equally you know outwardly and and that has changed how he is with himself and equally uh the honesty that we have and the communication that we've built up the children bear witness to that too so they understand what nurture is it is a language that we use in our household um I talk about emotion. We label it, we name it, we call it out when we're feeling it. There's no shame in that. And Mm. so that is it. We all learn through modeling, through witnessing, Mm. bearing witness to others doing that. And as you say, it's that inquisitive nature that that we think, oh, okay, well, if they can do it, then it might work for me, right? Mm. But in a different way, of course, not expecting everybody to be, you know, doing exactly the same thing all the time. And you know, my kids, if I often, if I want to put something on, they'll be like, mom, I'm like, I don't want to hear it. Like, put, it put your headphones on. And I'm going, if you don't like it, you can leave the room. It's fine. But, you know, but they bear witness to how I am afterwards, the effects yeah. that it has. Even if I've got headphones in, they yeah. can emotionally read how how more regulated I am that, you know, and especially when, you know, we're all kind of functioning on the same sort of frequencies, you know, the biorhythms, I talked about that in, in the guide as well, about how you don't have to say it to feel it, you know, you, you, you really can pick up on it. I mean, babies can, can smell our emotion before we've even realized it ourselves most of the time, huh? Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> a sixth sense, I would say. You know, you, you, you're around five men. And I'm wondering if you could share a little bit about maybe some of the nuanced, slight difference of what nurture might look like, if there's a difference between them and how they might feel that nurture and care. Yeah, I mean, I'm very honest and open about how I'm feeling. And I have clear boundaries, And I equally understand what I'm in control of and what I'm not. So when I'm bearing witness to uh, the testosterone 
fueling itself and they you know that they're that they're, uh, they're, they're rough and tumbling and getting you know i can see it's gonna kick off basically <laughs> i will i will call it out and soften it quickly or i will leave the room and let them know i'm leaving the room mm. and i t- i see that as 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 nurture that's that's a you know that that's a demonstrative way of of caring of planting seeds where they need to be planted mm. i also tell them the things that i'm i'm good for and the things that i'm not yeah the nurture for me is i hugs all the all the way home you know if they're mm. sad if they're you know happy if they're anything it's like let's have a hug we, we you mm. know my eldest will still hug me for 20 seconds because wow. he knows that that helps us both to feel really super connected right mm. he's like and we count it and he's like much bigger and taller than me and he's like proper man hug and half the time i'm like <laughs> i can't breathe all <laughs> You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, but we've just got to hang on for another 20 yeah. seconds. Oh, That's it. We got it. Yeah. And then, and I voice it, I say, oh my God, you know, I feel it. I feel it in my heart. I can feel that. Can you feel it? Hmm. And he's like, yeah, yeah, mom, I can. Hmm. So that is the way I soften it. And that's what we have learned to do equally to to share the load, to share the the tasks in the house that might might traditionally have been the female only tasks. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, the cooking, the, the, the washing up, the you know, they they clean that toilet because Mm. I won't do it, Mm. (laughs) you know, I I see that under the nurture banner. Um, the very much about communication, learning to communicate, not being ashamed to say how you're feeling. Yeah. And we talk about, you know, we built little habits that Mm -hmm. feel nurturing to us all. So in the evening when we're having dinner, we'll ask the question, what went well for us today? And everybody has to share something that, that was, that was positive in their day. You know, it, it, visibly it very quickly shifts the mood sometimes they're not they're not into it it's like actually my day was so bad but I don't even want to think about it and I'm respectful of that mm. I'm not going to turn around yeah. and go oh come on surely something yeah. great happened it's like no okay that I respect that that is how you're feeling right now that's mm. okay well because what does that convey you know what you're communicating what the respect and saying it's okay is how do you think they're feeling with that well of course it's allowing them to feel what they need to feel in that moment Mm. what often happens is that later they will share with me and Mm. that that opens up another level of communication doesn't it it's Mm. like the respect for how they're feeling that's not forcing them into something that they're not into in that moment so it's listening it's true listening i would imagine creating really a sense of safety too between the relationship that i feel safe Mm -hmm. enough to I don't have to share everything because my mom is going to get the no. And as a man, like the respect is big, like respecting me, not prying me because that's, we can see that happening the other way where parents just keep prying, 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 prying. It's like, well, I asked, I said, no, like, let me give me some space. And well, you got to talk again. So there's no safety there, right? I can't, you don't even respect me enough to let me just have a moment. Yeah. And it's like that, you know, toxic positivity is not healthy. It's not, 
right. <laughs> and that's not real. It's not how life is. It's it's right. good to understand that you know you have the ups and downs and the yin yin with the yang, and mm-hmm. you know that's a really important lesson to learn. And I think that it you know very much comes under the nurture banner as well. Mm. Um, as a as a mother, the the big the biggest lesson really is to learn that you know each of your children is unique and individual, and actually you cannot control them in any way <laughs> the minute they come <laughs> out of you. <laughs> I would agree with that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and sticking with the nurture a little bit more, I, you know, hearing what you said, definitely some differences is one is kind of, it's all about modeling. Um, some of it's, mm. you know, demonstrating different behaviors and which is a type of, you know, nurture. I, I think of safety, right? I think of mm. comfort. I think of um, warmth, acceptance, right? I think of these different qualities that, that fall into the nurturing branch. And I think what you were sharing is very much within that. It's like sometimes it is walking away, saying, I love you. I'm going to come over here. Other times mm-hmm. it's the physical act of we're going to sit in a 20-second hug and like sit in a hug and like noticing what that how that's impacting us and being mm-hmm. able to communicate that. Uh, nurturing, as far as I say, is creating safety to have a dialogue in the dinner table, which also includes respecting someone's no. When you look at new dads now, what are some ways that they can practically engage in nurture Mm-hmm. Even if they haven't experienced a healthy model, what are some practical things they can do with their newborns uh, now? Yeah, takes me straight back. I mean, I could reel off, you know, the professional answer to that. But the reality, the lived experience of that is is going back to when my to, to witnessing my husband when he would come home from work and our, our, our sons, you know, were babies and he would just sit with them chest to chest, Hmm. holding. And that was what he needed to do. That's how, that's what they needed. They needed, they attuned to him. Um, There wasn't much doing as it were. It was more Hmm. holding and Hmm. being. Yeah. And, uh, and the different way, you know, the difference in he, him holding them, the masculine side of that, Hmm. you know, attuning to them in that way um but equally he was able to soften from his quite harsh day that was very different you know and that would give him the time he needed to shift into that father role Hmm. um i think that you know there's a very the, the way they do it now is different they don't sit and hold each other right the dynamics have changed but that nurture and respect is still there. Yeah. It's much more of a rough and tumble, and poor poor man is often on the floor underneath all of them, <laughs> on top yeah. of him with this just this kind of bear cub way of being, yeah. which is you know okay too. Well, I think, and that's a good way to look at how nurturing could look like from the masculine angle too. Is this kind of rough and tumble, and how important mm-hmm. that is? And I think some parents mm-hmm. get wary about like no we can't do that I'm like no actually there's a lot of research behind that showing yeah the importance of allowing that side to come out even with girls not just boys but even girls mm-hmm. allowing that safety and that of that rough and tumble play and how they feel connected physically with which is yeah. a type of nurturing care and modeling you know awareness of body and awareness of others and i mean so many things that that mm-hmm. goes not verbally it's all it's a felt sense um, yeah. And you're right. I think, yeah, holding babies is huge for dads. I think a lot of ways that's how dads can connect because especially if they're not 
you know, mom is solely breastfeeding or something. It's like, how do I connect with baby? And that skin to skin, chest to chest is a great way because there yeah. is oxytocin being released in between dad and baby. Yeah. And I mean, I remember those moments sitting down, just attuning to my baby's breathing and just kind of feeling mm-hmm. their little heartbeat and like, wow, okay, there is something happening here. Not, not verbally, but physiologically, neurologically happening. And I think for a lot of dads, you know, that are, that might be listening to this, that that's a very powerful, practical way just to, uh, nurture the nurture, so to speak, yeah. um, in you and in your baby, um, yeah. that doesn't require a lot of words and no. it's really powerful. It is, it is. And, uh, you know, with the intention there as well, mm. it, it, it enhances everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think intention yeah. is kind of the secret source to everything really. So often the not doing is is way more powerful than the the running around what can i do how can i help you know feeling like that kind of headless chicken Mm. (laughs) (laughs) that that can happen and i i I do think the power of touch smell the sensory elements are Mm. are, you know what we can especially for for new parents what we can attune to so much because in fact in lots of ways that is what our our infant is is learning from us and their environment about. So, so if we can take time to notice, you know, I put, I use a lot of mindfulness in, in my guide, the idea of noticing, of pausing, of Mm. not trying to change things, not, not, you know, using fighting talk or just always trying to fix something, but very much more kind of noticing through the kind of sensory awareness is really super powerful. And also those are the times you'll bank, it'll go in, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and you'll remember and, and yeah. it'll boost you in ways that you never imagined it could. Yeah. Hmm. And, you know, and, th- and this is the foundation of nurture and, and, you know, the book, I recommend it to any new parents um, or expected parents, you know, starts off with nurture and, you know, some other mindfulness, you, you kind of lay the groundwork very, really well in this guide. Um, and it goes right into emotions. And I love that first question <laughs> is what does vulnerability look like to you? That's a fun one, yeah. I think, for men too, especially if they, they, if they don't know, right? They may say, I don't go, I'm not going to be vulnerable, right? That, And I think that also... I would assume similarly with the comfort or the nurture question is through modeling, through mm-hmm. creating the safety space of modeling vulnerability to the men in your life and to your boys and, and through kind of what just who you are without shame, without guilt, but kind of helping build the language of vulnerability and creating that safe, that safe net, that safety yeah. space of non-judgment, but I'm here. Yeah. Uh, which invites the boys to, to be okay with that vulnerable side and to show it's a strength. That's it. That's it. I mean, the question before that is, do you think it's okay to be vulnerable? It's a biggie. And then, yeah. you know, that's like, oh, actually, do I? I mean, a lot of people would be instantly, no, it's not oh, yeah. good to be. Yeah, Absolutely. Even even a lot of women I've worked with, even women I've worked with, nope, can't do yeah. it. Nope, it's not safe to be vulnerable. Heck no, I would never do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah. yeah. Becoming a parent is one of the most vulnerable times of your life, whether you like it or not. <laughs> right, that's the key. I think it's whether you wanted it or not, it's at your doorstep and not even yeah. at your doorstep. It's in your home, in your face saying, here, mm-hmm. I'm here and you got to face it. Yeah, so. exactly. So the next step would be what steps can you take to allow yourself to be vulnerable and be okay with that? Mm, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. A lot of people might say, I don't know. A lot of people might say, I don't know what steps I would need to take. You know, I don't know what I need to do. Yeah, exactly. And therefore you're opening up a great conversation. 
with yeah. with anybody that you can possibly have it with hopefully your partner but if not your partner then maybe your friends mm-hmm. you know maybe your closest buddies mm-hmm. m- might find that a useful conversation to have or maybe at that point it's time to say okay you know this this guide is is designed to help you to understand yourself enough that you you feel more confident to reach out mm. where you need to whether yeah. that's professional help or somebody close to you yeah yeah um there is no shame in that so it's about Mm. you know understanding that there is absolutely no blame no shame in in reaching out you know if you feel you need to a lot of the time just sort of going through this guide and answering these questions for yourself enables enough problem solving Mm. and practical attitude and, you know, it's designed to be resilience building in lots of ways that, that, you know, means that you don't necessarily need to go and get that professional support that maybe you would have beforehand. Yeah. Not always. But if you do, then, yeah, it's like actually therapy is magic, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and equally what you can share with a therapist, you know, in that safe space that a therapist will create for you mm. will be confidential and you can say what you feel, you really feel that maybe you wouldn't necessarily be able to do either with yourself, but it's certainly maybe not with those close to you around you as well. Mm. So, mm. you know, these are the, yeah. the basics here to, yeah. to start to breed more confidence and understanding and awareness, yeah. really. And invite dialogue. You know, I think that's what I'm yeah. seeing a lot in this book is really inviting a curiosity, and, and again, to those parents that I've talked to that have asked, how do I get dads in on this? And even for moms too, is is this, this is a great guide of like, it really invites curiosity, especially if you take it seriously and sit with it. And it might be hard. I mean, that question, some of these questions might be tough at heart, might be hard to find the answers at first. Yeah. Um, but really like Sophie said and what how she created this book is is asking further questions to help the kids, kind of speak the interest of what does it look like and reflect because whether you want to or not, you're, you're passing this down to your kids because that kiddo or kids that you have, you have multiple are needing this from you anyway, needing nurture, mm-hmm. needing, you know, what are emotions and how do we help them navigate? And, and you, you know, earlier on you said this is we bring in our baggage. We bring the good, the bad, the ugly into these, into parenthood, whether we want to or not, it's there. Now the difference is, are we aware of it? Mm-hmm. And are we aware of that baggage enough to say, Hmm, I might need to look at this and grow here for my kid. And I think for, I do think for a lot of parents, a lot of men too, that having a kid can really be a catalyst to change of like, they may not in the prior, in the past may not have thought about these questions, but now having a kid, they're forced with, maybe I should think about this, you know? I, <laughs> and I've, in fact, I remember mm-hmm. a quick little story for me is I remember when I, we found out we were pregnant with our first and I never went to the doctor. I just never needed to, um, overall healthy outside of when I played high school sports, you know, you got you have to get a physical to play. So that was the only time I really went, um, but then after high school, I never really went because there was no need to go. But when I had knew we were pregnant, something inside of me, like a light bulb turned on, you need to go to the doctor. And I was like, oh, I think I need to go to the doctor. So I made a doctor's appointment to do a full physical because I'm like, I need to make sure I'm okay. Like my heart's fine. My I want to make sure everything's all right. Because something like just just turned on, never, never thought about it. But it was like this, I had to do it. It was this immediacy of I needed to make sure I was okay. So my, I'm okay for my kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly that. And it's, it's a switch that goes off in the majority of people, isn't it? And, uh, mm-hmm. but yet it, it's still a very difficult thing for a lot of people to, to, to get to. Absolutely. Um, you know, also the big part of 
becoming a parent is is becoming is is meeting a baby's demands to the mm. point where you where you come second or third at all times yeah and and the resentment that can come with that as well and mm-hmm. uh, and and the, you know that that requires a lot of a lot of exploring and reflection and awareness if you can do it but a lot of people mm. won't do that they'll just right. keep going until hopefully they don't burn out but until something breaks something happens yeah and then it's like we've something ha- we have to fix this right, right yeah right. yeah it's much more um, chaotic then yeah yeah and i would suggest that there are a great deal of people out there that that will live like that you know mm. i mean I'm stereotyping a little here, but it's really interesting to see how things are changing, even in the last few years, in terms of how we understand what we need to do. But I often Mm. say to people, if you can't do it for yourself, then do it for your children. And often that will be enough Mm -hmm. to, you know, for people to go, oh, okay, yeah, that's that's the thing that we need to be doing. It's like, okay. So really, really simple stuff. Like whenever you give your baby a glass of water, have one yourself. Mm, <laughs> whenever no, you yeah, are, yeah. whenever you are hugging your child and giving them affection and comfort, can you take that for yourself too? At the mm. same time, why, yeah. why, why wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah. So it's just yeah. that slight shift in mindset and perspective that can be you know, so beneficial. And I'm, ho- I'm hoping that I've pi- poured all of this into, into the book and the guide and the audios that come with that as well. There are, there are many audios for, for anybody that can't even read because they're mm-hmm. too tired or too busy, you know, and can't get to it. It's on the list of things to do that, that they want to do, but can't get to. And rather than, then be resentful of that and feel like they're failing somehow because they're, they're still not even able to get to, to this guide or whatever. It's like, here are some audios, just pop mm. that on, mm. listen to, you know, there are, there are audios with, uh, you know, entitled, you know, what to do when my baby is crying, for instance. That's <laughs> yeah. great. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, but there's one specifically for dads that's just, yeah you know, a simple meditation, very simple, more of a relaxation, but just a guided audio that takes that time out for a moment mm. to reflect and, mm. and and feel more grounded, effectively popping things into perspective a bit more, giving you that, that clarity that perhaps you were lacking before yeah. and effectively regulating your nervous system a bit better. Yeah. I love that, Brent. effectively regulating your nervous system a bit better because everything is, the foundation is your nervous system and where are you? Uh, and I think <laughs> yeah. when we have a newborn, our nervous system can be very much in an anxious fight flight state <laughs> at mm-hmm. times because we're adjusting to now this baby's demands and not always knowing the answer. And, and I think for, I remember first time parent too, is you just don't know. And that could set off this kind of panic alarm system of, I don't know, I'm trying to help, trying to fix it. I can't fix it. Why can't I get baby? And it's very, it can be very chaotic. Um, yeah. And having these little tools of breathing to slow down your nervous system, to reset, um, knowing how you find nurture, you know, not only for your partner, but for yourself so you can navigate this together. And then being mindful of the time, like we're coming up on the hour, 
there's so many things I wanted to discuss, but just to, again, be mindful <laughs> is if you, if, if there's something that you can encourage, you know, quickly, like, you know, dads, new dads, mm-hmm. or, you know, maybe second, third, fourth time dads with kind of with what you do and your guide, what, what is like one main encouragement that you would give them right now? God, that's such a big question. Um, encouragement, I think would be communication is everything. Mm. I think when, when, you are tired and vulnerable, or even if you feel that like you know your partner really well, you know, they need to hear what you're thinking. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and it's okay not to read the books and it's okay to, to try to go with the flow in the way that you feel is natural and that are, there's nothing wrong with that. There's no rules here. There's no right or wrong way. But the most important rule is to communicate what you're thinking as best as you can and feeling if, if, if that is, you know, a language that you have, but, uh, that will breed the bond and the trust that you need way better than a lot of things. And if you can't say it, the, the closeness and the empathy that you can give somebody just through listening is really key, I think too. Mm. So the, the, the communication, the listening part is everything really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where can we find you? Where can we get your book? Where you at? <laughs> so uh, the mamacoach.com. Um, Mama is M-A-M-M-A because there's an amazing, another amazing mama coach in, in, in America, actually, who I love and respect dearly, uh, but that's not me. So it's <laughs> I'm mama with two M's, M-A-M-M-A coach.com and Instagram you can find me at the mama coach but equally also beyond underscore birth underscore guide and uh, come and you know join us and 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 see what what this is all about you know I I love to meet new people as you said that the the connections and the questioning that happens on on Instagram can be really beneficial to us if we choose to to kind of use that with intent to mm. to connect and and to yeah. learn as best as we can. Yeah. But I would well, I would certainly say that with all the information in the world and all, you know, at least we've got this awareness building now, but we still need to put it into practice. We still need handholding and we need to stick at it to -hmm. make it stick. Understanding something and wanting to to do something is very different from actually making those changes. And that isn't that easy. At least we can try together. (laughs) Yeah. No, and getting there together, right. As a, as a community of people, not alone, and you're mm-hmm. right. We we got to start with the awareness, and then take the steps necessary. And there's so many steps we can take. And so, um, all that are listening, all of Sophie's information will be in the show notes. Just scroll down, whether on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You just click more information, you'll see it. There'll be hyperlinks to her website, to both of her Instagram accounts, to the book. It'll all be there for you to access. Um, also, so you can reach out to her and her community and support system that she provides. Sophie, thank you so much for just beginning the conversation around this guide and especially for new parents or expected parents. Um, Like you said, I think 
like me, is trying to get them before they become parents or before they get married to kind of help prep them. So when they're there, it's it's already beginning to build a foundation. So mm-hmm. um, even if you don't have a kid yet, you're thinking of having one, it's a great guide, great book to have to prep you to think, to begin to ask yourself these questions. At the same time, it's never too late if, you know, you've already had all your kids and they're, and they're 15. I mean, these questions are still <laughs> beneficial. These are still important questions, uh, regardless of the age of your kid, because this is these are life questions. Yeah. Um, that will enhance any relationship you're in, especially your more intimate relationship. So thank you so much for taking the time out of your day and blessings to you and your family. And I'll have to have you on again. Thank you, Travis. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining and listening today. Please leave a comment and review the show. Dads are tough, but not tough enough to do this fatherhood thing alone. <laughs>